views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You're listening to... KUCI! 88.9 FM. Irvine, Irvine, Irvine. Friend us on Facebook at KUCI FM and Twitter at KUCI FM. KUCI. Talk, music, and more. Hi there, you're listening to Get the Funk Out, a new show here at KUCI. I'm your host, Janine. And in the show, we're going to explore how creativity is so important in people's lives. Whether you're new to creativity or you've always had it in your life, creativity is essential, especially in this day and age. People are losing their jobs or they've been out of work a long time and they might be starting a second chapter in their life. And whether they're writing a book, picking up an instrument, doing something new in their lives, we're going to explore how people are being creative for the first time or continue to be creative lifelong. And I've got a whole variety of guests who will share with you how essential it is to find the time to be creative, whether it's a finding a little pocket of time to write a book, or maybe you want to work on a film, or you want to learn how to play the drums. You know, it, it doesn't matter what age and what stage of life you are, it's just essential. This is Judy Davis, and you're listening to Get the Funk Out on KUCI 88.9 FM. So it's my pleasure to welcome to my first show, Get the Funk Out, right here at KUCI 88.9 FM, Judy Davids. Welcome, Judy. Hi. How are you? Great. I'm so excited to feature you on the show, and uh, you're one of the first people that came to mind because you have such an interesting, creative life, and you just keep it going. And and I know uh, I had you on my show previously when I had Moms Rock the House at KUCI several years ago. And the reason you're so inspiring, and I thought you'd be a great guest, is because you're always doing these interesting things, whether you're, you know, starting to get into a band at age 42 and or you're writing your book. And I want to talk about these different facets of your creativity in your life. And if you want to jump in and talk about the music aspect and um, Jack White, that would be really cool. Sure, sure. So um, I was your typical soccer mom back in um, 2002. I had two kids in elementary school. I had a a job that my friend Susan calls now my golden handcuff. You know, like I had a job that paid well um, and, you know, let me afford a a lot of really um, cool things for myself and for my kids. But it was completely um, an uncreative job where I sat in, like, a little gray cube all day long. And um, my kids were really my – were really kind of my outlet for creativity. At work, honestly, they drew the organization chart, and I wasn't even on it. Come on. (laughs) That's how low I was. Let me ask Um, you something because I – one of the reasons I thought you'd be a great guest is we we because I've kind of been in a funk and I'm like, how do I get out of it? Were you sitting in your cubicle saying to myself, "There's got to be more to life than this"? Absolutely, absolutely. Like every day, every day, I said to myself, "How can I be here?" Like I um, have a college degree. You know, I think I'm smart. I mean, everybody probably thinks they're smart, but yeah. you know, I was a good student. Mm-hmm. I got good grades. I, you know, I was um, a hard worker when I wanted to be. <laughs> sure. And um, 
and here I was doing this uh, job where I was thought so little of, um, but it, it, it was it was a good paying job. So, so kind of to kind of um, release like some creative energy, um, I started being really involved in my kids' school, and I took on this role of being the PTA newsletter editor, and um, started uh, putting together. Um, a monthly newsletter and kind of worked with kids and really did the role of an editor. Like an editor's role is really not doing a lot of writing, but it's delegating a lot of writing assignments. Mm -hmm. So I had um, an after-school club, and I had about 60 kids in this afternoon club, and we were interviewing. We were doing all these really cool interviews. And first we interviewed all the teachers, and when we were done with the teachers, we interviewed, like, all the um, administrative people. And when we were done with that, we went to, like, the fire chief and the mayor and our congressman. And pretty soon we interviewed everybody, um, and we were starting to send letters to people. And we interviewed Tony Hawk, and we interviewed oh. um, children's authors, and we interviewed Laura Bush, who was the first lady at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it, somebody uh, brought up to me that one of the girls in the Writers Club, that's what we called the group of kids that wrote the PTA newsletter, one of them was the niece of Jack White. So I'm from suburban Detroit, and Jack mm-hmm. White, of course, is um, from the city of Detroit. And uh, so um, I went to, up to this little girl and I said, it'd be really cool um, if you interviewed your uncle. Okay. And, um, and then I thought, like, well, you know, why don't we see if he'll come in and we'll, you know, do a group interview. And much to my shock. I was going to say, do you think there's no way he's going to come in? Yeah, okay. exactly. So this is on a Friday. On a Monday, her dad calls me and he says, um, Jack, uh who at the time, I guess, had been in London um, recording. Um, she, he said he, he'll, he, he'll be in town um, this week, and he would like to come and be interviewed on Friday right after school. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, <laughs> this was 2002, and this is when the white stripes were just starting to get um, really famous. Like, yeah. to put things in perspective, this was um, April of, 2002 by the end of the summer they were like um they were the musical guests on saturday night live so their career was just (laughs) skyrocketing to the top amazing and so um jack white comes um to this after school got together and we had decorated the whole gym in red and white posters and it was really pretty cool and he came and he sang um we're going to be friends which was later went on to see like the theme song of Napoleon Dynamite, mm-hmm. and um, I think he sang two other songs. And he talked to the kids about songwriting, and um, he was just he was just like when you see somebody like him, you understand sort of the origin of the word star when people call people stars because he was he had um, a charisma and aura to him, like he really was like the brightest person in the room. And he, so he's talking to kids about songwriting and music and how important it was in his life. And then um, I know he wasn't talking to the adults. He was trying to inspire the kids. But I went out, like, the next day and bought a guitar. Well, back in and, a second, what were you thinking as you're sitting there listening to him? What was going through your head? You know, I was thinking... I guess I was thinking like a, like the six and seven and eight year olds that were in the room that <laughs> you can do anything. Good. Like Good. who? Like that's the thing that's amazing about kids. Like they think they can. You know, they think that they 
you know, can do, do whatever any Fearless. do whatever they want. Yeah. Like they they don't understand. You know, as they get older, then you start to have like all these doubts, and you know, right. you second guess right. everything. But yeah. really, you know, really, when he said you can do it, I believed him, and um, so I signed up for guitar lessons the next day. But I, but I always tell people that when I saw him. You know, he played guitar. He was by himself. So he played guitar. He played acoustic guitar, and he sang. And there's so many things about him that I could have aspired to. I could have saw him and said, you know, I'm going to take singing lessons because I want to be a great singer. Or I could have said, um, I'm going to take guitar lessons because I want to learn how to play guitar like him because he's a really um, pretty awesome guitar player. But the thing that I wanted to be is I wanted to be a star. Like, I wanted to be... A rock star. You shot right to the moon. You're like, I'm just going for it yeah. all. <laughs> yes, because the thing that I liked about him was like he his outfit was coordinated, <laughs> and he had cool swag. And uh, mm-hmm. I went to art school, you know. So like, I appreciate all those branding messages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he really is kind of like a genius at um, marketing. You know, the nice. the whole white stripes thing is a very well put together package. Mm-hmm. So I wanted that. Um, but I knew to have that, I had to learn how to play guitar. That <laughs> so was just kind of like, okay, well, let's just get that out of the way. So I took, started, signed up for guitar lessons. And this how did that been, go? How did that this go? Was, oh, just as you would expect, I'm 42 years old, and I never took a, taken a lesson in my life. So it did, it did not go well, but um, <laughs> that didn't really bother me. Good, good for you. <laughs> my teacher... I remember my teacher, he wanted me to do, like, all these, like, um, finger exercises and strengthen my fingers, and he wanted me to learn scales and theory and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? Like, I do not have time for that. Like, I'm, like, the clock is ticking here. You're like, I just want to take the guitar pill and (laughs) swallow it, wake up tomorrow and rock out like Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) Right, right. So um, by the end of the summer, I started to put together all the pieces that, in my mind, I needed to have a band, which was like start a website, get some t-shirts, write some songs, and sort of like at the bottom of my list was learn how to play guitar real well. I'm like, I'll just market <laughs> this to pieces. And... <laughs> yes, yes. So I was putting together all the pieces, and, and by the end of the summer, I had um, surprisingly very easily found um, three other women to follow me and to be in a band with me, because the problem with, when you're 42 and you want to be in a band is, you know, other 42-year-olds are probably been playing instruments for, like, 20-plus years, mm-hmm. and they do not want, you know, you, who doesn't know what you're doing in their band. <laughs> and the people that are just starting off are, you know, oftentimes, like, high school boys, yes. and they also wouldn't want a 42-year-old no, woman in their band. No. So I was left with no other choice than to, like, bamboozle three other like-minded people. <laughs> But it was really, but it was really interesting too because there's something about there's something about when you have like that passion and you're you're following your dream and even if people think it's really kooky, mm-hmm. they they recognize that it's your dream mm-hmm. and um, and they want to help you, you know. And nice. it's, I think it's contagious. And for whatever reason, these three other women who lived in my neighborhood said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll start a band with you." So. We started a band called the the My Dolls, and none of us, all four of us, none of us had ever played um, an instrument. And we all learned instruments over this summer. 
And Wait, Katie, how did you September, come up with that? Excuse me, how did you come up with that great name? Well, you know, we now I'm telling you, the hardest part about being in a band is coming up with a name that everybody oh, likes. Yeah. I tell people it's like naming a baby. Except for when you name a baby, you just have to please like yourself and your your husband or significant other. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. When when you're naming a band, like you have to please four people, and everybody has different ideas. And and because I was um, quite a bit older than my bandmates, like they were all pretty much about ten years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't like the names that I had come up with, like Hot Flash and um, <laughs> Praying from Menopause. That was one of my favorite names. Oh, so they didn't they didn't want the names that um, immediately made them ten years older. Yes, yeah. So we were um, putting together a list of names, and it kind of became like a community project. I mean, everybody was tossing out names, and somebody I work with came up with the name of um, the Pills, which I kind of thought was cool. Cool, mm-hmm. the Pill. And um, my husband says, well, why don't you name yourself My Doll? And I was like, um, I wasn't sure what what My Doll he was. I wasn't sure if he was saying like My Dolls, my like Dolls, or, dolls yeah. or if he was referring to the PMS drip for, mm-hmm. for like um, cranky women. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so um, and my lead singer, I remember we were, we were driving to a party and my lead singer was in the car and she really liked it and we went to the party and we kicked the name around with people and at the party and everybody kind of liked it. It's kind of catchy and funny and clever and kind of really punk rock because um, cool. we're all big fans of the band The Cramps so mm-hmm. uh, it seemed, seemed like kind of a natural thing <laughs> for a cramp wannabe band so we called them Idols and um, so we came up with a name and we we were um we were practicing in a in a studio space in Detroit, and we were hanging out um, in bars on Thursday nights because somebody explained to me, you know, I was a very, you know, I had the the master um, Jack White tell me um, to be in a band. I'm sure he'd throw up if you heard me say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. sure, that's not that's not how he saw that day no, go down, but that's how I saw that okay. day go down. So I had him, and then. I was a very good um, student of listening to advice, and somebody said to me, um, being in a band is like being on the TV show Survivor. It's all about alliances. Mm-hmm. So you need to be where bands are, and and that's how you'll get people to let you open for them and stuff like that. So we would practice on Thursday nights, and then we would go to this, this um, bar in Detroit where a lot of bands had to after Thursday night practice because that's pretty much like the practice night all night. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we um, ran into this kid who wanted to do like an open mic night with us and he said we had to know three songs. And <laughs> we okay. knew like... And that was basically point. all you knew, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we said, of course we know three songs. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, we got to learn three songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you really didn't know three songs at the time? No, we knew one song, and we were working on another song, so we had to come up with three songs. So this is um, Thursday night, um, open mic night is Wednesday night. And um, the other thing I learned about when you are following your dreams is that when an opportunity comes, even if you are not ready, you always, always have to seize the moment. You know, you have to, you have to... 
you have to do it, even though you're not ready. You know, you have to make yourself ready. You just have to, you know, pick yourself up and do it and, do and it. rise to the level of whatever expected of you. Mm-hmm. So we went and we we performed at this. We didn't really tell anybody because we weren't sure how it would go down. And mm-hmm. we played our three songs. And, um, and excuse me, you your know, three songs were, were not covers. There weren't cover songs, right? No, they weren't cover right, songs. Right, because you told me, go ahead, you tell me why. Well, if we played cover songs, everybody would know that we were, like, not playing them right. Okay. So you told me you could only play, like, three chords, so. Yes, and we, right, exactly, exactly. Plus, yeah, yeah most songs, unless it's, like, yeah. Sweet Jane by, the, you know, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground <laughs> has, like, more than three chords, but our songs are, like, very simple. And so um, we oh, played, yeah. and it went pretty well, and so we decided the following Wednesday that we were going to, you know, let everybody know that we were going to be playing. And we advertised that show like we were playing at, I don't know, <laughs> like Madison Square Garden. That is so funny. We put flyers. I mean, mind you, it's open night night. Anybody with a pulse can go up there and play an instrument. It's not a big deal. But we put signs on, like, gas stations and up at schools, and we packed um, this bar. Unbelievable. And, of course, when people see, like, a big um, crowd, it's like the whole a crowd draws a crowd thing. Yes. Um, when yes. people see those big crowds, it, it's like an energy and it's exciting. And from there, uh, just one thing after another happened. And we, before we knew it, we were playing, like, the biggest um, clubs in Detroit. Well, and I don't think we were – we weren't playing because necessarily people thought we were, like – um, awesome, awesome, or anything. It was um, people just Thought you were people so cool. were just buying into the dream. Like yeah. I think yeah. I always felt like the crowd was like kind of rooting for us. They are, yeah. You know, there's yeah. a bit of there's a bit of like people like to see a train wrecking. So there was there there were those people that were wondering, you know, if if we would mess up. But I felt like every you know every step of the way, people were rooting for us and mm-hmm. you know hoping for the best and. And then, you know, it's weird because people just gave us credit for, like, knowing how to, like, plug a guitar into an amp. And, oh, please. And somebody, was, somebody, was like, somebody was, like, telling me later yeah, tuning. that yeah, they can tune a guitar. Like, wow, that's awesome. Um, somebody was telling me later that, you know, everybody wants to be a rock star. But what was different about us is we actually, you know, got up off the couch and right. did it, yeah. and I think that made all the difference. And I, I think, again, I think when you do something that you love and you're passionate about, I think it's so contagious. I mean, when when you think about all the the great performers of the world, like you, you're just caught up in their in their like their dream and yes. their their energy, and yes. and um, even when the the talent doesn't match the energy, people still get sucked into the to the energy so do you think that first night uh the thing we first of all were you nervous that first night with that packed crowd no you know i i wasn't um i wasn't uh really nervous um at all i do i do remember practicing before the show like trying to make time to practice because that's Mm -hmm. the really hard thing when you're a mom and a band is like we were we all had little kids and we all had soccer and dance lessons and a million other things. You know, yes. not only our schedules but our children had busy schedules. So practicing was always um, finding time to practice was always difficult. And I remember practicing before that show and feeling 
like I can't remember how the songs go or no. anything like that and kind of <laughs> get in that like stage fright. Yes. But by the time that night rolled around, there was so much love in That's the, so the nice. air. Like I felt like a million dollars and, um, That's so cool. and we just went out there and everybody kind of, you know, Supporting. I don't know. It was, it was, wow. it was really cool. And from there, just, it kept, going and, and going and, and going and uh, here it is um, almost 10 years later, 9 years later and it's still going it's still and going. yeah and it's something to be honest, the idea of me being in a band is an idea that should have lasted about like 9 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that it's continuing after 9 years um well, it became just, you know, something that, I, you know, so many women, moms probably looked at you and said, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think there, I think there definitely was some of that. And it's funny because at work, I really did have, like, one of those, like, Clark Kent, like, Superman uh, transformations. Because at work, mm-hmm. I was still always, like, you know, Judy who wears blue jeans and, you know, um, a T-shirt with, like, throw up on it or whatever, <laughs> you know, baby fit, right. fit up. Right. Um, but on the weekends, I would put on my, like, rocker clothes and, I re- you know, I think everything about me changed. And we all we all got um, go-go boots and it's so funny. We got go-go boots not because they're cool, because mm-hmm. they are cool, but mostly we got them because they're very functional because they, like, hide, like, um, varicose veins. Okay, I want to buy I, some. <laughs> yeah, so I, like, put on my, like, pink go-go boots and my, you oh, know, so my pretty. little skirt and T-shirt and really dress in a way that um, is totally inappropriate for, like, a PTA meeting or anything like that, you know <laughs> So and so it was like liberating. And then the other yeah. thing about being in a band that's really liberating is that you get on the stage and the the lights go down and the spotlights on you and and everybody um, everybody's looking at you and you can do or say anything you want. And I I wouldn't encourage this to anybody, but we found if we said like a bad word on stage, like yeah. everybody would be like really into it. <laughs> And it, it was like, there yeah. they are, those moms, you know, moms by day who follow Robert's rules of yeah. order and, you know, um, put their hair in a ponytail yes. and, you know, drive a minivan. And then by night, um, they, you know, they, they revolt. Yeah, <laughs> they just, they, they, hmm. I don't know, you know, just transform. Well, into you let them cut loose. You know, everybody's got to yeah. cut loose, you know. They, yeah. Life is too crazy, too too hectic, too stressful, and I think everybody needs an outlet to, you know, just to find themselves and find something that inspires them, and you found that. Yeah, find something that you're good at, and Mm -hmm. for me, like, I would never, I would never, ever say what I'm good at is, is, um, is, you know, playing guitar, or, you know, I wouldn't even say I'm good at being in a band, but I found that being being in a band requires um a lot of skill sets and there were things that I definitely was good at so you know coming up with a logo or uh you know designing album covers or you mm-hmm. know 
putting together the website or doing the social marketing part of it. You know, first it was MySpace and then, you know, Facebook. But all that kind of stuff I, I really enjoyed. And um, and it, all that stuff is kind of necessary to to being in a band. I know that it probably drives musicians that are really great musicians crazy that people sure. like my band can do well. But... Um, you know, you have to give credit where credit is due. You know, right. that's a part of that's a part of being in a band is selling, selling some kind of dream. And yes. and there were people yes. that said to me later that they didn't think that we could put together this dream because part of the dream of rock and roll is the great escape, and you want to go see, you know, the kisses of the world who mm-hmm. you know who are going to. Um, have lots of girls backstage or, or you know, parties and this and that. And, you know, people like to go and see those bands because it's kind of an escape for them to think, you know, yeah, I don't know, they know just kind of want to live the dream. Right. And people didn't think that we could do it because people thought people would always look at us and see um, ironing boards and dishwashers. Well, great. You could get, you know, great marketing and you could, <laughs> you know, yeah, that yeah. Helps. So, so we kind of sold the, you know, the marketing, the, yeah. you know, moms with like an edge or moms with attitude. Right. Um, and look where you ended up. I mean, name some of the press you got because I know I'm. So oh many my goodness, People so magazine. We ended up, yeah, we ended up in People magazine. We ended up in the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up on the Today Show. We did the Big Idea with Donnie Joy Deutsch mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, we were on um, the. Short-lived uh, Greg Barrett show. We flew to LA to be on that. Um, we were mentioned on late, late, late night with Craig Kilwarren. We were cool. Yes, and um, and uh, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of making fun of us, but you know, like that's cool. Like you know, they when they say there's no such thing as bad publicity, they they yeah, just look at Paris Hilton or Lindsay Lohan. Like it's totally true, and. Um, and then, of course, the most recent thing we did was we were um, on uh, Gene Simmons' Family Jewels. So Gene came to Detroit for five days, and we shot an episode of um, his TV TV show, which was kind of surreal to think of, like, four moms who, the Gene Simmons. you know, are schlepping kids around town and... Um, you know, all of a sudden we're sitting in the minivan um, with Gene Simmons headed to Cobo Hall, and he's going to play with Kiss in front of you know sixteen thousand people, and and we're we're kind of talking like we're you know we're kind of talking about like you know being in a band as mm-hmm. if we're somehow equal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny, and and I also got to meet and um, do a show with uh, Kathy Valentine. That's great. Um, of the Go Go's, which yeah. is kind of cool too, because her, um, I mean, she's in the most famous girl, all girl band in history right. of rock, you I know? know. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, so so it's funny how, you know, you have this little seed of an idea. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because people ask me, I think when we were in People Magazine, they asked me, did you ever think you'd be in People Magazine? And, and I said, like yeah, of course. Like you did, you, you did really. You, that yeah, was one of your if you, goals. Yeah, if you don't, 
if you don't see if you don't see it, I don't think other people will mm-hmm. see it. Like if you don't they don't know what you want, like how will somebody else know what you want? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean like I mean, you know, looking back, was it realistic that, you know, for people that don't know how to play instruments would be in People magazine? No, it's totally unrealistic. <laughs> but the idea that it would happen was mm-hmm. always there and mm-hmm. I remember talking to somebody who said that that's what rock and roll is. It's all about um, delusional people. And some people... You consider this yourself guy, delusional, this, I guess. No. This, this guy has a studio, and he said, if it wasn't for delusional musicians, I wouldn't have um, a job because very few people make it, you know. But there's studios everywhere, and they'll take your money. Um, you know, if you want to, if you don't know what you're doing, but you'll, you're still willing to pay whatever, yeah. however much an hour to be in the studio, they'll gladly um, take your money. You got to give yourself some credit because your songs are great and they're inspiring, and it's good for kids. I mean, yeah, it's good for moms, it's good for kids, and you know, I've heard enough yeah. of your stuff to know how your band's evolved and everything. And um, we're gonna, yeah. take, we're gonna just gonna take a quick break, Judy, and then okay, uh, we're gonna come back, and I want to hear about. Your book you wrote, Rockstar Mommy, I loved it. Sure. Coming up October 8th, a day of service, women, war, and peace. From 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Center for Living Peace, located at 4139 Campus Drive in Irvine. A screening of the PBS video, Pray the Devil Back to Hell, about women's contributions to democracy in Liberia. Women speakers with experience in war-torn countries will give speeches, including Olympic athlete and pro tennis player Maya Murek, who will discuss her childhood in Bosnia during times of war and upheaval. The event is free. Attendees will get VIP access to the UCI speaking event on October 13th with Gina Davis and Abigail Disney. The center offers classes for all age ranges to promote inner peace, peaceful communication, and arts and environmental appreciation. All UCI students, faculty, and staff get a discount. Call 949-854-5500 or visit goodhappens.org to sign up and learn more. I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm also pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. And today we are so thrilled we are welcoming Motor Deputy Brad Blakely, who is one of the top motor deputies with the Orange County Sheriff's Department And he also serves as president of the Orange County Traffic Officers Association. He's been with the Sheriff's Department for 23 years. Thank you so much, Brad, for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Okay, so why don't you tell us about your duties as a motor deputy? Well, um, as a motor deputy, my primary duties are um, traffic enforcement. Um, That's one of the things that nobody of the public likes. Uh, However, it's a necessity. We try to keep the motor in public safe through traffic enforcement. I'm also responsible for investigating uh, traffic collisions, ranging from non-injury traffic collisions all the way up to fatality traffic collisions. Um, We also um, are responsible for conducting traffic control as needed throughout uh, the city and uh, assisting with special events. That sounds pretty interesting stuff. Why don't you tell us what we should do if we ever see flashing lights behind us from a motorcycle? That's a little scary, but what should we do to be safe? 
Well, it's, it's the recommendation of the Orange County Sheriff's Department that when a motorist sees an emergency vehicle with its emergency lights and siren on, that that vehicle make every effort to uh, immediately try to yield to the right side of the roadway. Uh, emergency vehicles are obligated to pass on the left, and it's often hard to do so unless we get the motorist to yield to the right. If you feel like it's unsafe for you to yield um, immediately, just do your best to um, turn on your flashers and indicate to us that you are trying to make an effort to uh, yield and stop for us. Right, and we want to make sure that we are very polite when we get pulled over as well. Is that correct? That is absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, your courtesy goes a long way with us, and uh, it makes our transition very, uh, very much easier. Uh, we all know that when you get pulled over by a motor deputy, it's not usually a pleasant situation, but we do try to make every effort um, to take a negative situation and make it as positive as we can and make it a learning experience as well. Well, thank you. We're going to have you back next week to tell us a little bit about the Traffic Officers Association, so thank you. Great. Thank you, Mari. Thanks for asking, but I'd rather not send you nude pictures. I'm camera shy. I already said no. It's against my religion. I'm giving my dog a bath. You can have pictures of that. Pressure gives me hives. Under my clothes, I'm a robot. Hold on. Let me ask my mom. Sorry, my webcam is broken. I'm worried they'll get passed around school. Unfortunately, I just had my clothes surgically attached to my body. If they got out, I might never be president. I'm already naked, under my clothes. Not even if you were all three Jonas Brothers. I have a rash. I have nudophobia. I have lizard skin. The more you ask, the less I want to. You're not the boss of me. Nudity makes me vomit. I'm a vampire, so I don't show up in pictures anyways. Your badgering has really killed the mood. When someone is pressuring you to do something you don't want to, how many ways can you say no before they get the message? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in free. You're listening to Get the Funk Out on KUCI 88.9 FM. Here's Judy Davids getting her funk out with her Detroit band, The Mind Alls. This is Hot Rod, your home. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine, and we're back with Judy Davids, who plays guitar with the Midal. She's also an author, and she's been doing all kinds of marketing um, over the years of her band. So, Judy, I wanted to talk to you about Rockstar Mommy. I loved the book. It was great. How did you come up with the idea to write this? Well, you know, I um, through through the years of having a band, I realized whenever they wrote about our band, we, they never put us like in the entertainment section or in the um, 
you know, the music section. They never really reviewed our records. They always wrote about us as like a lifestyle story. So we'd always be like in the women's section. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, that was fine with me that people were more interested in our story than our music. And that was cool. And um, so one one weekend, my husband and my two sons went to a University of Michigan football game, which is pretty much an all-day thing because you got to drive there and sit in the parking lot forever and parking uh, parking jam, uh, traffic jam when you're leaving and everything. So they were gone, and and I and I said, you know, I, I'd like to um, I'd like to tell my story, but I'm not a writer. So I'm going to um, query lit agents and see if I can somebody can help me find somebody that will tell my story. Mm-hmm. And so I did that, and um, to my surprise, I I like queried three agents, and two of them came back and said they were interested. And then Whoa. I talked to this um, to this the first person, and she said, you know. For somebody to tell your story, it's a very long process. It's a very intimate process. Like, you can't just give somebody, like, a outline and say, here, write a book. Mm-hmm. You have to talk to that person a lot, and they have to know, you know, they have to be able to write like you and in, in your voice and stuff like that. And um, so I wasn't really I'm – a, I'm a girl that likes to get things done, so I wasn't really all into that, the, that it's going to take a long time. And my husband said to me, you can you can do it, Judy. Like you That's know, great. nobody can tell your story better than you. And so, so I went back to the lit agent and I said, I'd, I'd like to give it a shot. You know, let's let's see if I can write the book myself. So I wrote the first chapter and uh, it went pretty well. How long did it take you to write the first chapter? You know what? <laughs> not very. You not just cranked really it long. out. You know, like I think I wrote it like in a weekend. You know, like the one you... chapter. You're unbelievable. And then we got, and then we uh, we sold it. Mm-hmm. We wrote a proposal. We sold it, and I was given six months to write it, but I wrote it. Um, I wrote it in four. And oh. um, by the way, in between, you're a graphic artist. So in between, you were doing your jobs yeah. as a, and you were on HGTV, right? Yes, my house is on HGTV. Yeah, I, I have a, actually my um, degree, my college degree is in interior design. So I have a art background. I went to art school, did interior design for a while, and did uh, did and continue to do uh, web design and uh, design logos and all kinds of things. So sorry, to so yeah, so I an important thing because you look at all the things you're juggling while you're writing your book. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of a lot of. Uh, sticks in the flame there you know I was doing a lot of different things um which ended up which ended up being which ended up working out for me in the end because I was developing all these skills and I so I ended up writing um this book and uh, really telling the story of the first two years of putting together my band and um so the book came out um in 2008 and in 2009 I was laid off from that job that I was telling you about, you know, where I was sitting in my gray cube, yes. making a nice cushy living, um, but not really doing anything like super challenging or creative. And I lost my job. And I was devastated because at that time I was 49 years old. And I had I had no idea what what I would do next. So the, the skill set that I had 
at the firm I was working for was really not transferable. You know, it was kind of I had a sort of like a, redu- a redundant skill set, and mm-hmm. um, I I had no idea what what I would do next with my life, and um, reached out to some people and. Uh, people were saying, you know, yeah, sure, what you did for 17 years, nobody needs that type of work. Or what I did, I used a, I used a computer software program, which is called AutoCAD, which, which, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I drew drawings on a computer, yes. drawings that used to be drawn with like pen and ink on mylar, <laughs> yes, yes. and people would make like a blueprint. You know, people decided to put everything on a computer, and when I started my job. Um, I was the only person that knew how to use this software, and by the time I was laid off, like every person in my firm could do their own drawing, so they really didn't need me. I was like redundant. I was just doing something that everybody else could do. Mm. So, so I was thinking, okay, so I'm 49 years old. I have like this skill set that's really dated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who will hire me? Um, and um, how long were you were like, well, what about well, what about your like band and stuff? And I was like. You've got to be kidding me. Like, my band, like, even though we've done amazing things and had a good time, at the end of the day, like, especially in the early days of my band, when we would play a gig, we would many times get, like, $40 for all four of us. And it's not $40 each. That's, like, $10 each. And we have to, like, stop at the ATM on the way home to get take out money to pay my 12-year-old babysitter, you know, because she would get like $30 mm. a night. Mm. So, so I would I would get, I wouldn't even make enough money to pay a babysitter. I, so, can't, um, imagine, but, um, I can't imagine though, Judy, you sat around very long like, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, you know what? No, you know, no, I guess I I didn't, but you know, there's something about that really comfy job that pays the bills oh, that sure. allows you sort of the luxury to make mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. because you know that you have this, like, you always have this, like, sort of fallback thing. Yes, of course. And so when you're there and you don't have the fallback thing, and, and then you can't then you can't say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a 20 $20, listen to me, I'm going to spend, you know, I'm going to spend $60 on an outfit, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy a new top or whatever, and I'm going to go play a show, and I'm going to get paid $10, and then I'm going to come home and pay a babysitter $30. You can't do those things no, when you don't no, have a job, no, you know. No. Everything, you know, all your decisions have to be, you know, you have to figure out, like, how you're going to pay your bills. So, but people come on saying to me, um, you know, you're good at web design, and I have a friend that needs a website or something like that. So I started doing freelance, and then um, and then I ultimately went into um, a program for entrepreneurs in uh, Detroit, the Detroit area. And I actually started my own business, and that lasted about a year. I felt felt like I had a good idea. I just, I just, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I'm a lot of things that I'm not a CEO. I'm not a. Well, that's a tough role, you know. It's a very tough role, and uh, it's one that requires that you, you know know how to balance a checkbook (laughs) which um obviously you know obviously i wasn't that concerned about money because i was like more or less losing money being in Mm -hmm. the my dolls um so um it was still a good experience and i still went after i still went after a dream and i still tried something and i i failed but it wasn't 
But you learned a lot. All that. You learned a lot and you went for it. I learned a lot. I did. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up falling into the job that I have now, which um, I'm a local editor for an online um, community news site called Patch, and I'm the editor of Royal Oak Patch, so I write about my town. And if ever, it's so weird, like looking looking at my life, it's so weird that I would come to this position where I would be a writer and an editor when I have no degree in journalism or, you know, anything okay. of that nature. But, okay. but I have, I have all the skill sets and, and I have them because, because of this band that I started right. as a hobby or a, a joke. And I, I think that there's, there's something that everybody's good at something. Mm-hmm. You just have to, Follow your heart. Well, also, Judy, all of your experiences are, you know, the college of life, you know? So it's like you took all these things, you learned all these things along the way, which brought you to this moment where you are now. Right. Where I have a job where I can pretty much use all the things that I'm good at. That was the hard part about, that was the, the most difficult part for me of owning my own business is when you, um, run a business by yourself and you're on a very tight budget, mm-hmm. you have to do everything and you end up having to spend a lot of time time doing things, or I did, doing things that I am not interested in, nor am I very good at. Mm-hmm. I'm good at, I'm good at pursuing the things that I'm, you know, strong at and, sure. and, and going after those or like even even being in a band, like, yeah, maybe I'm not the greatest guitar player, but you know, you only play a show for like 40 minutes. That's right. All the other stuff that you do, the website and stuff like that, takes up the bulk of your time. And, you know, so you're still doing, you're still doing things that you're really strong at. And um, when I was a CEO, I felt like I spent 90% of my time doing like sort of financial stuff and and looking at metrics and, oh my goodness, and, um, <laughs> and it, just, it just wasn't. No, it it's easy. not fun to no. do something. Here's the message. It's not fun to do something that you don't like. Right. And it drags you down. Yes. It it, it just, it destroys um, your spirit. So like you're, you know, I tell my kids all the, the time is, you know, I don't care what you do. Just do something that you love because you'll find a way, <laughs> you'll find a way to make money mm-hmm. doing it, you know, it's better for you to do something that you love all day long um, than to just settle for something that, you know, pays, pays bills. Right. It'll make you miserable. Right. Right. Yeah. When you look back at your, um, when you look back, you kind of want to, at your life, you kind of want to be like, I have no regrets, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, I think that I will be able to 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 do that. Yeah, have I made some mistakes along the way? Yeah, absolutely. But everything I've done, I've learned from. And and then you also, you know, when you do something that you're not very good at, then you know you learn something. Like you learn absolutely. You learn like your your strengths and your weaknesses. And and you know what's nice, um, Judy? It's not like you're you've knocked yourself down. Like okay, well you know, ugh, I'm a failure. It's it's so healthy to be able to say, I wasn't good at that, and I'm going to move on, I'm going to find something right. else. 
And I'm not right. going to stay in this, you know, bad mental place and, you know, be negative. You always seem to turn it around and find something else, you know. Yes. And, and every step of the way, I kind of like, e- even when I ran my business, I met lots of good people, lots of creative people. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely learned, learned so much. And, and I was, I went to this entrepreneur school and I, they only pick like 20 people a year to do it so it was quite a quite an honor and um uh yeah it didn't it didn't work out for me but you know it's not the end of the world that's that's the kind of that's what i that's kind of think attitude. is cool about getting older is like yeah. you know like you, like so something doesn't work out you know right you let it roll yeah exactly you gotta let it roll Exactly. Yep. You just got, you know, like, I, so I love the title of your uh, show, uh, Get the Funk Out, because sometimes, like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly what you have to do. Like, okay, like, you know, you have to just go after the things that, you know, your heart is like kind of, you know, right. yearning for, and you'll be fine. Right. You'll be fine. It's a little scary sometimes, but, sure. um, but at the end of the day, like I'm, you know, if looking back, if somebody would say, uh, if I could relive that year of my life where I started a, a business um, and basically failed at doing it, oh my goodness, would I do? I would do it again in a heartbeat, you know, because exactly. it was just, um, I learned so much. Now, where can people find out more information about you? Well, you can find me um, on Facebook at um, facebook.com forward slash rockstar mommy. Right. Uh, you can learn more about the My Dolls at mydolls.com. That's M-Y-D-O-L-S dot com. And um, on that site, you'll find information about my book as well. And my book is available um, on Amazon and most um, it's should be at most um, of, you know, big bookstore chains. I love that. Sure, Barnes and Noble and things like that. I I love that book. I read it on a vacation. I was on a cruise (laughs) and I was in my little cabin at night with my flashlight. My kids were asleep and I was glued (laughs) to it. And I'd just be laughing. I I loved it. Uh, Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I loved having you on. And I'd love to, you know, continue catching up with you. Let me know what's happening in your exciting life. And I, I think you're a great inspiration. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks. Loved it. Here's one more from the My Dolls. This is Dinosaur Rock. Thanks for tuning in to Get the Funk Out. If you've got an inspiring story about how you found your way out of your funk through a creative outlet or a new adventure, email me at janine at kuci.org. That's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at kuci.org. I'll see you back here next Monday at 9. Peace out. Peace out.